Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to be talking, of course, about USC, Notre Dame, coaching search stuff, lots of topics to get to. USC now 3-3 three and three on the season after starting in the top 10 in the AP poll and getting up to number 6 in the AP poll. Now 3-3, three and three, of course, not ranked, and two ranked teams coming up on the schedule next, Utah and California. So USC... Kind of a tailspin right now without a without the regular head coach. Lots of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde today about all of those topics. You have tons of questions that you have sent in, and we'll let you know if you want to send in a question. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email, or drop us a voicemail, 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, parastylepodcast.com. Leave a voicemail on the left side of the page. You can do it right from your device, your computer, or go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast to subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate all the reviews on iTunes and all the downloads. We love that you guys love the show. And wanted to jump right in with Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, so much stuff to get to. Thank you so much for joining the show again. Uh, kind of a back on a normal schedule now. How are you doing? Ryan, I'm doing good. I'll tell you, it's been a busy week, uh, off to Vegas last week, then back, of course, and uh, getting ready for Notre Dame, and now back again uh, doing the podcast with you. I want to thank everyone out there, too, for being a part of our show, because without you, there wouldn't be a show, and we appreciate all the questions you sent in and comments, all the positive as well as some of the uh, uh, emails we get. We attend all of them. I want you to know we try to attend all of them. Some you agree with what our comments are, some you don't, but I guess our, ours are just our opinion. So, Ryan, I'm ready to go. I think it's been a busy, busy week. In fact, last week when we did the podcast, I was going out of town, so we did it on a Sunday before all these stories broke. So I can imagine <laughs> how many how many questions you have and and uh, I don't know if we can get to all of them, but I'm certainly willing to try. We're going to give it a shot, Coach, and uh, we're, you know, we'll try to keep it tight. We'll try to give you tight answers because we have so many. We're going to focus mostly on this show about USC Notre Dame. There's a couple of questions about, like, coaching search stuff. But, of course, you know, we, we've had other podcasts since, since Coach. But, you know, of course, Steve Sarkeesian uh, was fired. <laughs> He's no longer with the program. And Clay Helton is the interim head coach. We got to see him in action for the first time since – the Las Vegas Bowl in 2013, USC losing to Notre Dame 41-31, exact same score as USC Stanford this year. There's also some similarities at the end of the game we'll probably talk about. But so we're going to jump into the questions. Well, like I said, we're going to try to get to them all. We'll try to keep it tight because you guys, you guys have so many. I want to thank our sponsor before we jump into anything, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for a concert or a sporting event. You want to go to the theater? I actually went to the uh, uh, Zach Brown band at the uh, Hollywood Bowl, so that was pretty cool recently. I'm not a big concert guy, but we did that. My wife loves the Zach Brown band coach, so we did that. Uh, so that's kind of fun. We'll have another message from sctickets.com at the end of the show. Um, well, Coach Harrell, I'll jump in. We'll start reading some questions. We have a bunch of voicemail. We have some email ones, too, so we'll try to pop back and forth and uh, and get to those. So 
First one is Dennis in Lancaster. He said, uh, with six games remaining against some good running teams, is Justin Wilcox going to make any, and I mean any, adjustments to try and stop the run? I'm dreading to see what the final defensive stats will look like. Fight on and keep up the great work. Well, I, Dennis, uh, this uh, has been uh, addressed uh, during the entire season, and we'll address it again because obviously there's a lot of questions about this. You've heard me mention this uh, many, many times. Uh, I've questioned the, the front seven since spring ball, since spring practice. I felt that there hasn't been a dominance up front. They haven't played on the line of scrimmage on the other side. There's no penetration. Uh, I think that the defensive front needs assistance from the other part of the linebackers and safeties or whatever it takes to to stop a running game, but you've got to stop the running game. You've got to force someone to throw the football. You've got to put pressure on the quarterback. Against Notre Dame, there wasn't any pressure on the quarterback. In fact, I commend the secondary for as well as they covered for as much time as Kaiser had to throw the football. There was no pressure whatsoever. You've got to apply pressure and get people out of a rhythm. You've got to stop a play before a play gets started. I question some of the alignments of the defense as far as there's gaping holes by just the alignments. You just wonder, how do you expect to stop this play? And I, I really don't understand that. I think when you look at it, uh, the recruiting process over the last few years have not really been zeroed in on defensive linemen or defensive fronts. I think they've been on a lot of great skill players, and I mean great skill players, and maybe the defensive front and not quite the offensive front as much as the defensive front, but that quality of player like Leonard Williams or others haven't really been at USC. And in the past, that's where dominance was as far as on the defensive front. Uh, the, the, the linebackers, I, I think, need to be helped too. They need to help each other. You've got to get contained with your defense, which we have absolutely no contain. If Kaiser wanted to run the ball every play with the way they got ProSight running the ball inside, he could have carried the ball every time. They made a lot of yards. So I think that the only way you can help that is you've got to keep them guessing. I'll say it again, as I've been saying all along, you've got to play offense on defense. You've got to stop people. You've got to get after them. Now, when they did that, the offense had 590 total yards. That's not a bad offensive performance, okay? So you've got to be able, when the defense had two three-and-outs in a row, that really stimulated the offense to go out there and not play under pressure and get a lot done offensively. In fact, I'm so proud the team was down 24-10 and came back with those two touchdown plays with about six minutes to go in the second quarter to tie the game. 24-24, and then missed the field goal right before halftime. So a block punt and missed field goal, 10 points, 10 points different in the game. And, uh, you know, that's what does it. you gotta, you got to play great. You don't win championships without defense. Let's just say it that. I'll say it again. And you've heard me say it, so I'm going to stop saying it right now. We'll go to the next question. Um, well, let's. Uh, you're talking about the defense. Let me give you a voicemail question that kind of touches on that too. <clears throat> Hey, Ryan, Andrew from D.C. Question for Coach Hyde regarding the pass rush or lack thereof and personnel. Um, in terms of size versus speed, it seems like we have players on the um, 
240 to 250-pound uh, um, size that are very athletic, your Felix, uh, Ruffin, Dustin. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have uh, the 290 to 300-pound size players that are a bit slower, uh, Simmons, Woods, Bigelow, etc. It seems like we're lacking the middle range, 260 to 280 pound and still athletic. For example, in the past we had Everson Griffin, Devon Kennard, Kyle Moore, etc. Do you agree that that's sort of a missing part of our defensive roster? And if so, how does that interact with the decision of whether to play 3-4 or 4-3? Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, thank you very much for your question. It's a good question. Uh, USC on the defensive side of the football excuse me, is lacking speed and quickness. You see it, I see it, and since you brought it up, I'm not the one bringing it up. (laughs) They don't have team speed on defense. Their linebackers really don't run well, not uh, like they should run. They have no no force off 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 the outside. They have no quickness at the defensive end spot. They don't put any pressure from the outside. Uh, to force a quarterback to worry about and force that offensive tackle to worry about blocking that defensive end or that linebacker, depending what defense you're in. The defensive front, uh, all guys are not very that very athletic. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. They play hard. They play up to their athletic ability, and they care. This team played as good as it could play with the personnel they had or they have against Notre Dame. Pete Carroll could have get that team more motivated to play any harder. I think Clay Helton did a great job. But I think they're lacking as far as in the team speed and the athletic ability of the people that are playing on the defensive side of the ball as far as the front seven. I don't see anybody jumping off the screen at me. I don't see those great plays. Now, Sue Craven makes plays all over the field. But is he true? Is he truly an outside linebacker? I mean, you know, you need guys that come across the line of scrimmage and they're in your face and you wonder where they came from. And I don't see great penetration. When I saw penetration twice during that game, wow, they stopped the play before it got started. It was great seeing Serraro and somebody else, I think it was Simmons, penetrate, get through a gap and stop the play. It just, it was great. But you don't see that often. You don't see that type of pressure on the pass and the run, and that comes to, Quickness. Yes, can you be too big? You can be too big. Can you be too tall? You can be too tall. Uh, but you've got to have the quickness and be able to run and get to the football. And I don't see that in the front seven currently at USC. Yeah, you don't have those big 265-pound Russian guys and stuff. And uh, you know, I, th- I think it's a real concern. I think you can make up for with that with scheme sometimes, but obviously you haven't seen it. When someone gets in the backfield, you notice it because it just doesn't happen very often. Um, let's go to the G. I like that, the G. Uh, I said the boys play the spirited game. Got to give them credit for that. However, the guys continue to fall short when the big moment arrives. A crucial play to extend a drive, a defensive stop to end a drive. Two pass interference interference calls backs to back, back to back. It appears that we are so close, but feel so far. Mental toughness, physicality, and physicality are lacking. What can the coaching staff do to install these attributes? He's talking about mental toughness and physicality. Well, you know, it, it, it's a little bit, uh, when you say that, first of all, let's look at the picture now. Yes, on the first play of the game, Fuller beat 
Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson saying, it's all my fault. I was looking in the backfield, this and that. It's not all his fault. That was a perfectly run play. Yes, he should have been on him. And what I was surprised is how Fuller ran away from him. Adoree didn't make up one step on him. And we know how fast Adoree Jackson is. Fuller catches three passes for over 100 yards and 130-plus yards. are all big play. He plays. He, he, he showed me that he's the real deal. He's the real deal, and uh, they had trouble covering him. So, you know, unless you put pressure on a quarterback, you can't play man defense. And currently right now they're playing some man defense without putting pressure on a quarterback because you can't cover all day these type of great receivers that like Notre Dame had. Three of them, Brown, Robinson, Fuller. I mean, skilled people. Let's give Notre Dame's offense some credit. They might have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Not they're in any bigger than they are. They got a first round draft choice at the left tackle. Now, do we have a first round draft choice when I say we USC as a defensive player anywhere? Currently right now? I don't know. I'm not an NFL scout, but I know Ron Stanley is, and Nick Martin will probably be, and a couple of others. And then you look at their receiver, full is gonna be a first round draft choice, I would say. And Kaiser's a guy of the future. And how about uh, Forsyth, Prosite? I mean, you didn't see him rotate a lot. You didn't see him get tired during the game. Occasionally, his backup came in. But, you know, they got a rhythm. They got a system. They know what they're doing there. And, again, they overmatched USC's defense. Let's just be honest. The defense played their butts off. But they just didn't match up well. With Notre Dame, I have a lot more respect for Notre Dame as far as the football team than I did before the football game itself. So, uh, you know, what can I say? We all saw the same game. Uh, I thought SC played hard. I I, want to say this because in case it comes up, I was very concerned about the third quarter. USC had scored 35 points in the third quarter the whole year, and, and I... And I said, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen in the third quarter with the momentum change? They came out and they shut out Notre Dame in the third quarter and beat them 7-zip in that quarter, while Notre Dame the entire year went 65-13 and in the third quarter. But when it came to the fourth quarter, like the question was you were talking about with me before the show, Ryan, just didn't seem to continue. It dropped off. And uh, that's what I'm really concerned with. And I don't know. I might have wandered around on this question. I apologize <laughs> if I didn't answer it completely. But, you know, that's where it goes. The uh, physicality is interesting, Coach. And I, I'm going to – the next question is voicemail about the uh, USC offensive line and blocking. But I just saw a tweet. Um, it was retweeted by Pete Sampson, who runs the scout uh, Notre Dame site. And it shows Jalen Smith, you know, the, the linebacker for Notre Dame, Coming through the middle, like kind of blitzing up the middle, meeting Toa Lobadon, USC's 290-pound center, one-on-one, and knocking him on his butt and then going around him. So that's, I think, the kind of stuff that people don't want to see. And that'll lead us into this question, too, so I'll get your comments on that. Hello, Peristyle Podcast. Ryan, Dan, Gerard. This question is for the one and only Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, got a question about the big boys up front this weekend for next week. Uh, watching the game, having trouble understanding the inability of sustaining and making blocks in the SC zone blocking scheme. We have large offensive linemen, and when we run, run power and combination blocks, they seem to really thrive. Uh, how much of a challenge would it be to start making the move over to primarily uh, match our scheme to our personnel uh, for next week's game? Thanks again, everyone. Fight on and beat everyone. 
Well, let me tell you, I saw a little bit of it this week. I, I was absolutely astonished when I saw a huddle. I said, gosh, Don, did you see the huddle, Ryan? I saw the huddle. <laughs> I said, I was said, my gosh, we're making headway. I said, I saw a huddle, then they went up, and I saw Cody Kessler taking some direct snaps from the center, which obviously helps the center a lot, being a young center and go, going into Notre Dame and having to start. They had little snap problems during the game as far as with the snap being low and so on, which throws the timing off, whether you believe that or not. If it's split second in, a pa- in the passing game, it throws it off. They're all timed routes. And again, I, I, I saw them in a double tight, and I saw the play action pass to McNamara and the touchdown right a wide open. I saw some of that happening, and uh, that's what I feel is the best for the style of quarterback Cody Kessler is and the type of running backs that USC has. They're daylight running backs. They're guys that find the scene. They're guys that will follow in the power and, and the blast and the toss and the type of plays where they want to get their eyes looking to the seam where they can hit the seam and go. It's it's tough to run laterally. I say this every week and then find that seam and try to then get straight, get your shoulders parallel and straight with the line of scrimmage where you can break right and break left. I saw a lot of eye type of handoffs, which were good. I, I'd like to see that become more of a when it becomes a two-back set. Wouldn't that be nice to see our, our guy back in there, uh, uh, Vanuku and Pinner and a two-back set or an eye set and do some things maybe that would help as far as the style of offense that's there, especially with the injuries of all the receivers they have. Uh, they threw to the tight end a little bit more. They threw, I think, three passes, four passes to the tight end. You've got to get him more involved in the passing game so that your split receivers have more room or space and how you can uh, manipulate your coverages and routes against uh, their defensive backs. So, you know, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the personnel, I would say, let's take two programs in America, and you that listen to me on Sunday mornings would hear me already say this. Stanford, undefeated in the Pac-12. Michigan not doing bad as far as with the high-power offense. Uh, these type of programs, Utah with Booker that are running back, that are big and front and physical up front, these guys are winning because they make you respect the run and the power of who they are. They have an identity. I think right now USC does not have an identity on offense. You're a little bit of this, you're a little bit of that, and you're a little bit of nothing. And uh, I think this is something that should happen. Can Clay Helton do this in this short period of time? I don't know. But I'd respect him if he did what he wants to do. And I've said this all along. Do it your way, Clay. This is your interview. Um, good stuff there, Coach. We got a, This is kind of a long one from Brody Boy. I had to cut it down. But he basically wanted you uh, to explain in detail why the one-back scheme is not conducive to consistently running the ball, given the quarterback won't run or can't run. Pretty much have two slow. There's pretty much two slow-developing running plays that opposing defenses can crash the edges and flood the inside gaps with impunity on rundowns. Isn't the key to football making the other team have to think about defending as many options as possible on every play, not just will they pass or will they run, but where they might uh, pass or run the ball and who might run or catch the ball? That's from Brody Boy. 
Yeah, there was a lot more detail in it, but I, I kind of had to pare it down. Well, he basically broke it down. <clears throat> I agree 100%. You've got to have a running play, I think, to hit every hole. You've got to be able to spread the defense and make the defense worry about your entire defensive or your offensive front from the nine hole to the one hole. That's from one side of the field to the other, depending on you know, however your numbering system is. And if they're going to close down inside and take that part of your running game away, then you've got to have a way to get outside. Whether your quarterback being able to carry the football, and you've heard me say this, allow Cody to carry the football. He carried the ball one time this last week, and he made nine yards or 19 yards one time and another time, not just all last week. Because you have no outside threat. You always had the ball off. You always had to hand the ball off. There's no option off of it. There's the flow goes one way. If he gives the ball to the back going to the right, there's nothing to hold the backside. Nothing. He isn't going to pull the ball out and run. He did that once. He got nine or ten yards. So the offense they're running doesn't fit what their athletic quarterback is. Now, Cody's a great athletic quarterback in a different offense, in a eye type of offense. And when you look at the quarterbacks that are currently on the roster at USC, they fit that offense too. Max Brown's a great thrower, great handoff, can throw the ball, but he's not an athletic runner. Sam Darnold is more. Matt Fink coming in, who's verbally committed, that doesn't mean he's coming yet is an athletic quarterback and could run the ball more. If this is what your offense is going to be, you can't be afraid to run your quarterback. And you've got to recruit to the offense. You can't bring an offense to a school. You've got to look at the personnel and say, what offense fits the personnel we have? Now, we have Cody Kessler. What offense will fit our leader? And that wasn't done. And I don't know how many times I have to say this, or if you're a football coach out there, you know exactly what I'm saying. You can't run something that doesn't fit your personnel. Just doesn't happen. So this, and especially when it's your guy, your quarterback, you got to give him help. Because when you get the eye going and you get different two-back offense, uh, two backs in your backfield, and they have to worry about the run, the play action, the blast, the sweep, all these different type of things, then you don't worry about your quarterback having to be your outside threat or lead option or whatever play you might have in your offense. So that's basically my answer. My answer is yes, you spread the field. You let the fullback run straight ahead. Off the sweep, you have a belly to keep the pursuit down. You have a trap play. You do a lot of different things. You run uh, things that uh, so that you can keep people at home, and you run a jet sweep, and you run cross. You don't give the ball off. You do a lot of things to keep people at home so that your basic plays will work. Good stuff there, Coach, and uh, thanks, Brody Boy, for that one. Here's a, here's a voicemail that has, like, three separate questions in it, Coach, so uh, maybe get your pencil out. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll try to remind you for it, but here you go. Hi, guys. This is Alan in St. Louis. Um, very emotional game against Notre Dame. Uh, this question is for uh, Coach Hyde. I actually have three questions, but I'll ask them in quick succession. First, uh, how is it that we can run a no safety defense or essentially a cover zero if the defensive line is not getting pressure to the quarterback? Schematically, how does that work? Uh, secondly, how does a team go six games into the season and not have a two-minute offense? And third, how do we keep Pat Hayden on as the next person to hire uh, the next, the next uh, head coach 
uh, given his track record in uh, both basketball and football, uh, and given all the emotional turmoil he's going through lately and his committee involvement. Um, sorry for asking so many questions, but hopefully that addresses a number of issues that other people have as well. Uh, thanks for your show and fight on. Bye. Well, uh, those are good questions. Uh, first of all, I, I think one question I'd like to answer is the Pat Aiden question first since we haven't addressed that as far as the hiring of a new football coach. You know, I don't like to talk about the hiring of a new football coach when you have a football coach like Clay Helton. I don't know how many of you heard the sound bites or heard the entire speech he gave the team or the players gave the team last week at USC or the standing ovation that Coach Helton had when he was announced the head football coach. These kids love Coach Clay Helton. They loved Ed Orgeron. And when Ed didn't get the opportunity of being the head coach, those kids cried. And he left. Now, Clay Helton, they're giving him the same type of effort. So it is my feeling I'd like to support Clay Helton the final games of the season. I want to see him win every single game, as you do, because he's the type of guy that cares about USC, has a passion about USC. And I hope if he's not given the head football coaching job at USC that he's the head football coach that come is, comes in is strong enough to keep him on your staff because you want to have great, loyal, great coaches on your staff, ones that the players like to play for and appreciate you as a head coach coming in that you keep someone that's favorite of theirs. That shows a lot of plus towards the new head football coach. So we'll see what happens with that. As far as Pat Hayden is concerned, I think it's going to be very difficult if he remains as athletic director to get possibly a high-profile coach. Now, I'm not saying Pat Hayden can't do that, but how long can he guarantee the head football coach coming in that he's going to be the athletic director? Because a head football coach coming in wants to work for the athletic director who believes in him and wants to give him what's necessary to win and do what he wants as far as hiring and changes in the program and this and that, and not have someone looking over his shoulder, he's going to be a strong guy where he says, you know, Pat, I don't want you in our staff meetings. I'm running the football program. And uh, I don't want you doing this or I don't want you doing it. I'll do that. Be an athletic director. Worry about the entire football program. And if I do wrong, you let me know I do wrong. But I'm in charge of the football program. You're an idol. You're an icon at USC. You're everything. I give you credit for that. Now, if he can guarantee, but I don't know with his health issues or not, that he can do that with a new head football coach and make him some guarantees that it's your football program, I'll sit in the press box, I'll watch it like every other AD, you are the front of our football program. Not me, not the president, not anybody. You are then you're going to be able to go out there and get yourself a type of guy that might say, you know what, I might look into this job at USC. Or if Pat Aiden steps down because of illness, and I don't know any of this what's going to happen. I don't, I'm just giving you maybes, okay, suppose it. If Pat says, this is it, I'm 
going to step down, and I don't think he wants to, and I don't blame him if he doesn't. He's a great guy and is great a great Trojan. But if he steps down, then I would put together a group of people that know football, which would include a lot of players. I wouldn't hire me some type of research group. If I don't have the guys that know what a football coach looks like, why do I need somebody to go out and check him out? We'll check him out because I know him. Well, I know people who know him, and we're going to get this type of coach. Now I go out and I hire the coach before I hire the AD. And you'll say, how in the heck do you do that? Because that's where you get a, a great coach, either an AD that's there that understands what a football coach needs and let me coach this football program and I'll set up the guidelines of what my team does, or you go out and you say, if Coach uh, Pat Hayden steps down, you go out and say, let's get together. And after you say yes, let's decide who the AD might be. Let me give you who we're thinking. See if you can get along with them. There are some great people on our staff, maybe. Or who else out there do you think you could work with? And you bring in a pair that are together as far as understand, hey, guys, we got to win. This is what it's all about. We've got to do it within the structure of the rules, but the AD feels comfortable with the head football coach. The head football coach feels comfortable with the AD, and they come in as a team, and they get it done. Now, you run the team, and I'll run the department and get it done that way. So I gave a long answer on one-third <laughs> of your questions. In fact, I can't even remember what the first two were. Well, I got them for you, Coach. So we're, the, there's one of the two-minute offense. We're going to get to that in another question, so we'll skip that for now. But he was talking about the cover. How can you run cover zero when you're not getting any pressure you up can't. front? You can't. you got to have a free safety, and you got to be able to – the free safety is like a center fielder in baseball, okay? got to go to the football. you got to help your corners. you got to be able to know what's going on. And, you know, you can't run man coverage without a rush. You always run man when you get after people. I answered that earlier. You've got to put a rush on the quarterback, but you can't cover all day. It's impossible. So if you don't have the horses up front to do that, then you better figure out what else you're going to do. That's the answer to that one. Um, Jesse had a question, kind of follow up with what well, you're talking about with Clay Helton. He says, obviously, Coach Helton is going to finish out the season coaching. I wanted to – you don't say obviously, by the way. Ed Orger, I didn't finish out the season. We thought he would. Um so we don't want to say obviously about anything in USC coaching, just to let you know. This is from Jesse. Um, I wanted to know uh, what can he do or what type of approach can he take to get these kids to not mail it in? With the two consecutive losses and all the turmoil with the coaching staff, what is the best way to keep them from getting that deer-in-the-headlights look? Love the show. Keep t- doing what you're doing. Fight on from Jesse Rodriguez, U.S. Army retired. You know, You'll understand uh, if you're a military person. You know, you don't give up. Uh, you've got to fight till the end. And I think Clay Helton reminds me of a military person. When I heard his speech, I tell you, uh, I loved it. I got fired up. I would have hit the beaches with it. Uh, he's not a guy on the hill with binoculars, okay? He's a guy on the front line. I don't think these kids will quit on him. I really don't. I think these kids will play their you-know-what off. He's that type of coach. Uh, I'll tell you, I would get the staff together, and I'd let them know that I'm the boss, 
And if I needed to make changes anywhere, I'd make those changes as far as in any way loyalty, in any way as far as the coaching techniques that I want run on offense or defense or what I want taught on offense or defense and especially special teams. I mean, special teams, 10 points right there. Block punt, nobody blocked anybody on the block punt. I've never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> it was like it was like you had bet on the game, okay? It, and also, how about a running the kickoff? Now, Adore Jackson, what a great player. What a winner. Was willing to take the blame for the entire loss. But he's got to have, understand when you're eight yards deep in the end zone, even if I'm Adore Jackson, I don't run the ball out of the end zone when I'm eight yards deep. These are the things that change the momentum of a football game. And because of that, not because of that, but that's where they were field position-wise, and that's when they had the block punt. So you got to get your staff on the same page. And if you have to coach at all to understand this and understand your loyalty is now with me, and if I hear one of you guys trying to check out where a job is because you're worried you're not going to be back here next year, that's going to be you're not going to be back here next week. So you got to set the tone of where you are, and you are the head football coach. You are their friend, but you are the head football coach, and this is the way it's going to be done. Makes sense, Coach. Um, hey, here's a voicemail question that's interesting. I'm going to answer it first, then get your thoughts, just because I asked these the two questions this this uh, caller asked. I actually asked them to Clay Helton yesterday on the conference call. So let me play the voicemail. I'll give you my, my little thing, and then we'll get you, Coach. Here we go. J.D. from D.C. Uh, Coach, I want to concentrate on learning something from the Notre Dame debacle. Uh, who was responsible for the two-minute drill? Was that the quarterback or the coach? Because, once again, it was abysmal. It was almost like it didn't exist. And I'm sorry, on a 3-3 three and three team, you have to start finding out who's accountable for what's going on in the field. Um, and the other question I have is a special teams question. What is with the USC blocking scheme on punts? Notre Dame obviously saw the bizarre spread blocking scheme USC had, and they set up an effective strategy and eventually had five guys on uh, the ball. Alvarado didn't have a prayer. That's clearly a bad scheme and an opponent scheming well against it. So could you, if you, could you explain the two-minute drill and who's responsible for it, whether it works or not, and... Uh, what is with the USC blocking scheme on punts? So, uh, Jay, that's JD in DC. Thanks for those good stuff there. I, so we had a conference call with Clay Helton yesterday and I asked him and USC was in the exact same position, same score, Notre Dame and Stanford, 41 31, final minutes down by 10. And again, Stanford, it looked like USC was almost trying to run out the clock with short passes. The same exact thing played out against Notre Dame. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, Coach, they completed two passes inside their own five-yard line or whatever, or, you know, when they were backed up, didn't even get a first down. So you're down two scores, complete two passes, and you haven't even gone 10 yards yet and haven't got out of bounds. So to me, there was a real issue, and you've seen it twice in games, almost the same situation with the two-minute drill. And I asked Clay Helton to follow up, didn't really get, he was kind of comparing it to the two-minute drill they had in the first half where they actually got a, a chance for a field goal. But I was really trying to – he didn't compare it for me between Stanford and Notre Dame. He did say that they called verticals, that they called verticals, and if it's not there, that everyone was back in coverage, so Cody checked it down like he's supposed to. So it sounds like Cody Kessler did what the coaches have wanted to do. I had a real issue with 
there's a point where you can't check it down. You have to take a chance because you're not going to win the game by checking the football down. You have to get at least an inter- intermediate pass. So to me, there was a fundamental problem because we've seen it now in two different games. That's not a hiccup. That's, that's the, the scheme is not working out right or they're not executing the scheme, whatever it is, but there's a fundamental problem there. And on the punt rush, I asked him about that too. He said it was a two part breakdown. One with the, the line of scrimmage engaging at the line of scrimmage and two, with the shield, which is those three big linemen that they usually have right in front of the punter. And I, I disagreed with that as well, coach, because you watch the tape of it. Nobody on the line of scrimmage, and I mentioned this to Clay Helton, nobody engaged their man. They all, they just looked like they released and went to go cover the punt. So seven guys got through. I don't say that's a shield breakdown. They missed some blocks, but they had seven guys, little guys rushing in and three big, slow offensive linemen or linemen are there to try to block them. And that's not really the kind of, uh, that's not really a great coaching situation, I would think. You didn't put your guys in a great position there. So I didn't have an issue with the shield. Really, there shouldn't be, the shield's not designed to block seven guys. There's only three of them. So that's kind of my take on the two minute drill and the, and the, uh, the punt, the punt stuff. So we get your thoughts on that too, coach. Well, you're right on, Ryan. You're right on. First of all, we'll start with the, the punt deal since you ended with that and it's fresh in our minds. Uh, you could see, uh, that they were coming after the, coming after the punt. There was no question about that. And you gotta alert your, uh, your, you know, your, your up guys or someone's gotta alert them to a certain blocking scheme, your center or so on, to, to block down, you block gaps, or you can't count over, and you force everybody to the outside, but that guy's got the farthest to go. Inside is the quickest way to get to the punter by going straight ahead and, and, uh, block it. The outside's the farthest to go. And a punter can't take all day either, understanding they're coming after him. Got to get the ball and put the football. But the three guys up front did what we call in football the lookout block, which means you turn around and you tell the guy, look out, you're going to get hit. Just look out. And basically, that's what those guys did, especially the middleman. And you know who the middleman is. I mean, guys went, one went over him and one went through the gap to the inside. He didn't hit anybody absolutely nobody so it, it was it was really like you had never worked on it before you'd never seen it before and it was absolutely an embarrassing part of the notre dame game not a lot of things were embarrassing but that was an embarrassing like you had never worked on that before the punt block it was the up backs uh, the backup guys the three the big guys back there absolutely didn't look like they wanted to hit anybody and they said look out back there but see there they come and uh as far as the two-minute drill is concerned uh you know you're right and who does that fall on it falls on the coaching staff you can't pass that on to cody kessler or anybody he's being taught uh, by a staff or an offensive coordinator on what to recognize and what to do and know how much time's on the clock and how many scores you need and and what you have to do. The ball's got to go down the field. You know, this football team doesn't have a draw play. It has absolutely no draw plays uh, to run occasionally to get a first down and stop the clock. has no screens whatsoever that that ever works as far as the timing, one, two, three, pull out either way, right, left, middle, anything. So, you know, you really don't have anything to slow anybody down with with the passing game. In fact, if they're dropping everybody back, and get your chunks the way you can. This team has really never thrown to a tight end uh, uh, from a slaughter across the middle or curl up to get 10 yards and force them to do a different coverage. So uh, 
Uh, this is not all Clay Helton. This is a lot of Steve Sarkeesian's offense, okay? But he can't do it in three days. And he did it in three days last week as far as coaching, because they left Thursday. But, you know, that's right. It was embarrassing to watch a two-minute drill like that. You people all noticed it and so on. The ball didn't go down the field. He didn't throw any ball routes where the ball, you know, went down as far as first downs and outs and comebacks, curls to the inside, slide to the open area, get your ball, move up, get on the line of scrimmage, and go. And you don't always have to look to the sideline for your play during the two-minute drill. You sort of, when you're running to the football, you look over just to make sure if he wants you to spike or to keep it going. And you already know what you're going to be doing. And you've got to be taught that here's a fifth-year senior quarterback, okay? And he's smart. And he's played many years of college football as well as high school football and everything else. He should be able to execute a two-minute drill. And they have not been able to execute two-minute drills the way that you would expect a Division One college football team to do. There's no way of getting around it. I'm not going to buttercup or smooth. I don't know. I'm just telling you, it was not done properly as well as the putt block. Um, we got a few more to get. Do you think we could knock out a few more, Coach? Do we got time? Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple of minutes because I got an appointment I got to get to. All right, all right. Here we go. Um, real quick, we have love the podcast. I'm assuming after every game, the players go over film with their position coaches. What is the defensive line coach telling the players? Every game, it seems like the same thing. On run plays, they get blown off the ball at the point of attack. On pass plays, it seems like they're running in mud. You think the coach is screaming and yelling or saying, nice try. Uh, beating a double team on every play is tough. Do players get any input? Just trying to understand the dynamic for this struggling unit. Well, I tell you, I hope, uh, you know, I was have never been allowed to get over and watch the coaching of the defensive line. Do they allow you to have to get over there anymore, Ryan? Uh, not really. We, I mean, uh, Chris Wilson is a, one of the more vocal, uh, coaches for sure. Uh, he yells, I mean, he, he gets on players more than just about any coach on the staff. He, I mean, he'll yell at them. We've seen him come over and, and yell at guys and stuff, but obviously it doesn't seem to be working all that well. All right, I just wondered because when I when I went a lot in fall camp, you know, we were in our uh, box where we could watch practice, <laughs> and it was difficult, very difficult to see much of practice whatsoever. Uh, I'm I'm glad of one thing, Ryan. Out of practice now, the parents are allowed to come back. Is that correct? Yeah, I th they were there on Tuesday, I believe. So we were put over in a little box. But when the parents aren't there, we can roam the whole sideline. So I think it might only be one day a week, Coach. I'm not exactly sure. That the parents can well, come. I was, well, good, good. I'm glad that, that the parents can come. I think that any time a past player, a parent, a past coach, any of that type of person should be able to come to practice. I mean, what are you doing that's so secret that uh, your parents should not be able to watch? And as far as the media, uh, I mean, I would treat my media a little bit better. I think that you're all going to write what you're going to write. And uh, but to to be able to cover a team and be in your little box, and I'm not getting into that, is is something I've never been able to understand. But that's a policy, and I guess that's what it's going to be. I don't know why, but that's what it's going to be, and I don't know where that comes from. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> I mean, I'll just be honest with you. What was the question, Coach? That is uh, that's pretty awesome. I've blanked on it too now. So well, <laughs> no, it's a defensive line. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's though at the defensive line? Okay, let's get into the defensive line. That was wonderful. Uh, first of all, you can you can yell and you can do and you can coach as much as you can and want to do and so on. And sometimes they just 
you don't have the ability to do what you're asking them to do. But I never see these guys use many swim techniques, power rushes. I don't see these guys. Maybe they can't do it, but I don't see them playing penetration type of defense. I just don't see it. There's no penetration on anything. Even when they stunt, I really don't see a lot of penetration. I mean, when you come across the line of scrimmage, you've got to play on their side of the football. You've got to get to the quarterback or stop the play before it gets started. Otherwise, you're in deep trouble because you're all going this way and the back's going the other way. So I don't see much of that in any game. So I think, you know, with the lack of, uh, what do you want to say, physical players where they can dominate up front when you go man-on-man and bull rush, you got to do different types of, of techniques as far as getting there. And I'm sure Chris Wilson knows what to do and teach that. And I think that if I was Clay Helton, I'd, I'd make sure that we made some changes over there. Because obviously what's going on isn't working. And I think this is where, as a head football coach, you start to do that. I mean, Justin Wilcox the defensive coordinator, but it's not his defense. It's USC's defense. It's our defense. And this is what we're going to do, and this is what I want you to do. And if you don't want to do this, then I'll get somebody else to do it. Because I think this is the attitude you have to have. When something's not working, you have to be flexible enough to make something work and take your personnel. I talked about it a moment ago on the offensive side of the football. Well, it's the same thing on the defensive side of the football. You've got to play the defense call that your players can best execute that scheme. And I think that's the best way to explain it. And these guys have been around, and they've coached all over the country. They've coached great players. And they've got to have the intelligence to know that if a guy's not supposed to be in Algebra 2, he should be in Algebra 1. So it's the same thing on the football field. And I think you've got to be able to make adjustments when necessary. Coach, great stuff. We'll end it there. I know you got an appointment to get to. We tried to get to, we, we missed a few, but we'll be okay. Um, we're going to have another podcast on Tuesday with Dan Weber. I'll probably do a solo one on Wednesday where any kind of leftover questions or other topics we'll get to and talk about the coaching search and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have a bunch more podcasts this week. People seem to, to like it. We're cranking out more of these. We get, you know, a lot, you know, get as many of your questions as possible. But coach, we really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all your insight. Well, Ryan, thank you very much. We thank all of you out there as far as for your questions. And, again, this is just our opinion. Keep them coming in, and we'll try to answer them. Again, have a great day. Thanks very much, Coach. And, everyone, thanks for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk to you next time. Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.